0: Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series, proudly powered by LeadershipByDesign.co, where we aim to add value to people's lives. You can listen to us live every Wednesday and Thursday at lunchtime on eBizRadio.com. We'll be talking leadership, coaching, and marketing. And uh, you can catch the Lunchtime Series on all your major co- podcast channels today. In our marketing and leadership segment, we've got uh, our marketing and communications expert and co host, Craig Page Lee. How are you doing, Craig?
1: Kevin, I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, good to be Thank chatting you. again. And uh, yeah, to our listeners as well. Um, on this, believe it or not, 115th show, Kevin. <laughs> 150, wow. That's, yeah, kind of one.
0: One. That's amazing. Yeah, I like so, to um,
1: that. It, it is. Yeah, I'm going to keep track of every five weeks until we get to that, you know, 125 and then the one, 150. Bring it on.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm there for it, Craig. So I mean, uh I was just going to say, yeah, we if smack bang in winter, and you were just saying you were falling out. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to hear that. Um, yes. I I can't believe that we're already half the year, right? It's it's like it's yeah. it's we're here. It's, it's we already look like Christmas is on its way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite nice. Friday,
1: Friday next. But I mean, Craig, um, before we
0: discuss uh, today's topic. <clears throat> what can you share with our listeners uh, as our key reminders from last week,
1: Kevin? Yeah, great. Thanks. We we covered the topic of. Um... Marketing segmentation and how to overcome the challenges that companies are faced with when trying to define who the optimal target market is. And as you may remember, there's generally four types of segmentation or, or variables that define the factors that marketers use to categorize their audience into these different groups. And these are defined as, firstly, demographics geographics, psychographics, and behavioral traits. So referencing that Investopedia.com section we, we covered, we note the following. Market segmentation seeks to identify targeted groups of consumers to tailor products and branding in a way that is attractive to the group. Markets can be segmented in several ways, such as I mentioned earlier, geographically, demographically, or behaviorally. Market segmentation helps companies minimize the risk by figuring out which products are the most likely to earn a share of target market and the best ways to market and deliver these products to the market. And with risk minimized and clarity about the marketing and delivery of the product heightened, the company can then focus its resources on efforts Um, that are likely to be most profitable, Kevin. And marketing segmentation can also increase a company's demographic reach and may help the company discover products or services that they actually hadn't previously uh, considered. So some of the benefits of marketing segmentation are noted as following. Marketing segmentation allows management to focus on certain demographics or customers, stronger brand image, greater potential for brand loyalty, stronger market differentiation better targeted digital advertising focus on customers that matter most power new product development design more effective marketing develop a customer-centric culture create a superior experience for customers and finally increase resource efficiency kevin and those are the, the key reminder points from last week
0: Fantastic, Craig. So, uh, guys, if you want to check that out, please make sure that you go and check out on the lunchtime series on YouTube. You can see us there live, and uh, you can see our beautiful faces, and or you can check it out on any major podcast channel that you are tuned into. But I mean, Craig, sorry, Kevin, just, just
1: just just in lots of beautiful faces, oh. your your faces disappeared off screen.
0: <laughs> well, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're back again. Yeah. I'm back again. Yes.
0: Yeah, Craig, cool. but I mean, in terms of uh, uh, what we're going to be chatting today, what what do you have up for grabs?
1: So, so Kevin, um, as you know, I've been working on, on quite a few brand projects the past uh, few years and, and, and spending quite a bit of time with clients discussing the important topic of brand assets, which, as you know, is an important aspect of building a brand. And I came across quite a few good references focusing specifically on this topic last week and knew that actually I wanted to cover this, this on the show coming out of the brand uh, um, market segmentation conversation of last week. So one, one, one of the three references that in, in is a report titled, Brands are Spending on Forgettable Brand Assets, which was compiled by Ipsos and uh, Jones and Ritchie Agency. It was published to walk.com on the 15th of June, 2023. The second article that I came across um, was on Merlin1.com titled Brand Assets, How to Identify and Leverage Brand Assets. And then the last article that we're going to reference, Kevin, is is from Canva.com and it's titled Brand Assets, What They Are, Why They Are Important and How to Leverage Them for Success.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, canvas is a nice one because uh, that's also got an that's a, that's worth a, an actual story, really. I don't know if you know the canvas story, but it's definitely yeah. something you must cover.
1: Yeah, <laughs> in fact, I'm I'm, I'm actually going to make a note of that whilst whilst um, just grab my yeah because I think I think the canvas story is is a great story. Just can you quickly scribble right, that down? So I'm, uh, I'm
0: um, curious about these articles. Um, so so what are you going to be teaching us, and what what are we going to be learning
1: about today? <laughs> okay cool so so as we usually do i I think i first want to set the context on on the topic being covered and and then dive into to the conversation so let's let's start by looking at the meaning of the term brand assets kevin and then you know referencing canva to start off with brand assets are design and marketing elements that convey a business's identity and are easily recognized by consumers They promote a quick association and it helps set the brand apart from its competitors. According to the Ipsos report, distinctive brand assets play an important role in building a strong and memorable brand used consistently over time and across media they become a powerful way to immediately associate ads with brands as well as making marketing efforts more effective they also drive business results and then according to one of my other favorite uh, um, content portals hubspot.com as you know brand assets are recognizable elements that embody a company's identi- identity identity From logos, typography, to taglines, brand assets make it easy to identify a business and help it stand up from the competitors and give cues to customer associations, Kevin.
0: So, I mean, Craig, uh, brand assets, and then I think that's quite important because brand assets, if if I'm not mistaken, can really lend itself to credibility. It can really lend itself to, uh, you know, showcasing and, and sort of uh, show, showcasing a brand in a way that maybe differentiates people from their competitors, right? So yes. um, so can you give us some examples of what these brand assets are, Craig?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. So so there, there, there's quite a list of, of brand assets that need to be considered when building a brand so that it does stand up from the competition. And, and some of these are the likes of obviously the brand name, the logo, the color palette or typography, um, certain design elements that come through very important uh, voice and tone, slogans or any taglines, sounds, songs, nomenclatures, mascots, videos, packaging if you're an FMCG brand. And and lastly, all of this is actually brought together in the cluster of a comprehensive brand guidelines that, that uh, organizations use to ensure the consistency.
0: So I mean, uh, I, I
1: know the of branding,
0: so, and, um, but but how are they used to make brands distinctive? I think that's uh, that's a, 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 a sort of key point of discussion because
1: um, yeah.
0: a lot of the time, you know, people just put a they slap a logo on something and you go, okay, well that's that's what it means and that's what it is. But there's a, there's a lot more yeah, to it, good, and that's why good it's, point. it's an. Asset
1: correct yes so so in this instance to 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 that question I'm going a reference the article titled brand assets what they are why they're important and how to leverage them for success and then and, and that's the article that was published on canvas uh, um, branding blog so let's look at some of these starting with the one that we'd all expect and that is brand name so so kevin if you if you're just starting out as a business or considering a brand refresh you really have the opportunity to develop a brand name that is catchy meaningful and easy to remember and and successful brand names usually determined by actually selecting a name style such as naming it after the founder for instance dell computers using acronyms like ibm or describing what the actual product or service does like microsoft Next is a logo, which, which are, are quick visual cues for your customers and, and developing and maintaining recognizable logos is key to a successful marketing and branding strategy. And important you to remember is to include multiple variations of the logo, specifically relating to color, size, and configurations in, in the brand toolkit given. For instance, you know, horizontal logos, vertically stacked logos, um, color or plain versions for white backgrounds, black reversed logo on background, and then full color backgrounds as well. And then the the third and next important asset is that of the actual color palette. And as we know, color plays a fundamentally important role on first impressions and and helps improve the overall uh, um, appearance of the brand. And a great approach would be to actually study the psychology of color. And actually then look at which colors align and associate best with your brand identity and and the actual emotions that you're trying to evoke from your audience in this regard. A perfect example, and and again, I I referenced Microsoft here, is Microsoft has got quite a distinct color palette, which consists of a combination of, of four colors that are synonymous with their products. and and it works on the basis of of each of those four squares are placed together to appear like a window with each square representing one of Microsoft's different applications. So for instance, the red represents the office suite of applications, the green represents Excel, the blue represents Word, and the yellow represents Outlook. So you can see how the colors really come together to to help uh, um, deliver the message and and support the, the brand name. Then we have the the concept of typography, which relates to a typeface or font types and styles, and you need to select a font type that that really reflects the message or emotions you want for your brand to communicate. For for instance, Coca Cola has got this beautiful classic uh, font choice, and, and it's it's got this playful, timeless aesthetic to it, and that matches the brand's identity in 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 every essence, and 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 the. The, the beautiful flow and energy that comes with the logo, if you look at it, you know, having been developed in the 1890s, there's absolute relevance today. And and when you when you play it against the positioning of of open happiness, you can just see how that actual uh, logo type works with the positioning of the brand. And then the last of the important brand assets is your your slogans and taglines. And these are the phrases that customers actually begin to associate with the brand. And probably one of the most popular in the world is Nike's tagline, just do it. Um, It's immediately associated with the brand. So whether a customer reads or hears it, they instantly know what what the content is about, and then when you lock up your 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 taglines and slogans with your with your logo, you actually help to to maximise the effect of any communications in in your campaigning, and it entrenches your brands clearly in the minds of your customers, Kevin.
0: Craig, what's interesting about knowing this, and uh, sorry, I'm just turning off my camera every now and then before for for the the sake of uh, proper <laughs> signal connectivity,
1: this, yeah.
0: Yes, um, but uh, what's interesting about, since I have changed my logo, you won't believe how many people have noticed. Um, Oh, wow, that's great. People have actually said to me, they've noticed the difference, they've noticed the change, they've noticed that, uh, you know, like my face is seen in the logo, they've noticed little tweaks and changes. So, you know, when you listen to all of this, you kind of go, okay, cool. Then, you know, I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely hitting the spot here. And that's, yeah, uh, that's,
1: that's fantastic. The
0: in the past, we've spoken about the importance of video and audio in advertising. So are these also brand assets?
1: <laughs> yes, most definitely, Kevin. Good question. They they are actually important assets that that in many ways depict the real tone and voice and visual style of a brand. Um and 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 it's because they move from that written word and static representation to that of much more expressed emotions, both visually and verbally um, and and as as you note, in audio as well, Kevin. So staying with the the canva article, we learn that it's important not to overlook developing these assets, specifically the likes of audio, where research shows that that we tend to remember music even better than our own memories, Kevin. So if you want your brand to stick in the minds of your consumers, create a catchy jingle or audio recording. And, and you know, probably one of the, the, the most known ones here is McDonald's jingle with that trademark phrase, I'm loving it. The other one we did talk about extensively when we covered this topic uh, some time ago was um, the Netflix, uh, a little trademark, nomenclature um, as well, really, really powerful for association. Photography also plays a key role in creating that brand differentiation and in this instance apple 's brand photography style always portrays a sense of precision and attention to detail and and that really eludes to that high tech uh, company feel and and approach and then lastly, here, video is definitely an effective way to stimulate positive emotions and interest from your target audience and there's there 's much been done in the realm of uh, um, utilizing video for advertising beyond just the, the social media components. But yeah, a perfect example goes to to the amazing show we had when we spoke about Taylor Swift where she goes behind the scenes and creates footage and shares that with their followers and it, it gives them an inside look into her world and the brand that Taylor Swift is and they get this better resonance and, and, and emotional connection and, and therefore builds much more trust with her as a brand, Kevin.
0: Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, Craig, what's what's uh, uh, what's interesting is how, how do you identify a brand asset? Because uh, can you get it wrong? For for example, like <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, you, definitely, it's
1: you definitely definitely an asset. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot of brands that have got it wrong. Um, you know, I just yeah. Let, let me let me go through the points, and then and then you'll get to see how it plays out. So it's got it's got different approaches to how to identify the assets. But I think referencing the Ipsos and Joel's Knows Ritchie uh, agency article that that I mentioned is is titled, Brands are Spending on Forgettable Brand Assets. We learn that there are five important considerations, Kevin, when building that strong, memorable brand. And these are noted as follows. You've got to have a distinctive logo, but it doesn't guarantee a distinctive brand. A distinctive brand requires sustainable use and engagement from and with the consumers. Slogans aren't also just about words and tone of voice. Your typography and sound can actually be important too, as, as we've just mentioned. Mascots can actually bypass any conventional marketing logic and, and Surreal can can also be successful. And we're seeing many brands associating with, with mascots. Point four years is is a brand can be much more adventurous in the digital world in how it uses its color than in the physical world, and these are inextricably linked to to shapes and patterns, and yeah. just bringing the the dynamism of, of of color morphing and movement and energy, really get to see that in the digital world that you don't get to experience in the physical world, and then truly unique products are, are rare, Kevin. But but a signature style of presentation on a packaging can set the brand apart quite quite easily. Um, you just look at the the likes of. Um, you know, fragrance brands and things like that. You look at some of the marks and those, it's just you You walk up to the shelf, you know exactly what it is. The, the Dior logo and things like that really help make the brand jump out at you. But a great statement from the report reveals the following. It's not about rubber stamping the same assets in the same formulation across every single touchpoint, Kevin. It's about picking the right tool for the right job when identifying and building these brand assets.
0: Craig, I I think I've become, I've, I've really, I've really honed the skill of doing my marketing and my branding (laughs) because of these conversations. I'm just thinking that you know, with with leadership by design, you know, um, we create people solutions. That's it. You know, it's the one liner. Um, we create people solutions, and that's it. That's what we do. Um, and I and it ties straight into that. Um, I, I I still don't have a mascot, but I mean, I'm definitely. It's something I could. Uh, I, I suppose writing a book now <laughs> could be one of my mascots. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, in fact, that's that's a good point. You don't you don't need to go and and add a mascot. You you are the brand. You and your persona is 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 the brand. So you know you're the brand and the mascot at the same time um yeah. you don't need to go and create any other uh, uh, layers to to the brand i think the fact that you have a book as a as a proof point of your capability and your thinking and what it does for for organisations is the best thing you can do in terms of brand extension absolutely yeah. but yeah, yeah. M- moving moving on in in terms of of those decisions is is um, some interesting points from the Merlin, uh, Merlin1.com Merlin article, which again is, is titled Brand Assets, How to Identify and Leverage Brand Assets. Um, the first study in, in this particular article emanates from the Ehrenberg Bass Institute of Marketing Science, which outlines a clear process for identifying your distinctive brand assets. And these consist around um, three key points here, Kevin. Um, mm-hmm. First is, Audit your existing brand elements. Yeah, yeah, Create that list of brand elements that you believe may be distinctive um, and then evaluate those further. Include some historical elements that have been associated with your brand in the past for a long time but are no longer utilized. You can eliminate the extraneous superfluous elements there. And, and then you know, look at what ideas you have for the future these not yet executed elements can definitely be evaluated for their viability as a distinctive brand asset. And you can replace all the elements with newer elements. The second point here is get feedback and collect data, a really important point, because firstly, you'll need to ask your talk, target audience, which brands from a category they associate with uh, um, have, have particular elements, and you can start understanding what those elements are. And then collect contextual data on those consumers such as how familiar they are with your brand and the category as well as um other demographics on on the data from from that particular audience kevin and then finally interpret the findings you know look at what percentage of consumers actually associate a particular with a particular element of your brand how quickly do they make that association and then the answer to these questions actually indicates how prominent or well-known uh, um, the element is and then yes. what share of and the association share? with your brand does the element camp have compared to associations with the competitors and that allows you to make some incremental adjustments and the answers definitely indicate whether you have uniqueness or whether the element is exclusively associated with your brand or whether the element is associated more broadly with the category as a whole and if it is so then you know downplay the category association play up the unique associations. The second, the second study from from this article actually focuses on plotting out visual in interpretations of the results on the distinctive asset grid, which you might have heard of. Uh, this was developed by research professor Jenny Romanuk, and the methodology is, is used to identify potential of distinctive assets, and it, it consists around applying three uh, key steps: here. conduct your in-depth study of the brand elements, survey the brand elements to analyze, test, and measure their strength, collect online data, conduct surveys and interviews with your target audience to collect the data about the consumer experience, and actually identify how connected the brand and elements are in their perception. And then again, as of the previous, analyze results and recommendations, interpret their the, the user's responses and identify how to use those elements in your brand communications. And what's key here, Kevin, is that the article notes that to perform the third step or, or you know, the brand or company in question really needs to use this distinctive asset grid chart, um, which, which I mentioned. And it looks at the particular aspects of fame, which I found quite interesting. And here it looks at the percentage of consumers who associate the elements with your brand. And then it looks at the the concept of exclusivity, which looks at the percentage of consumers you actually associated only with your brand. And for these recommendations, you can then identify which elements you should avoid using use ignore or reinforce in in your content strategy and and using the grid is is actually quite simple kevin as as it falls into yeah a brand falls into one of four categories either avoid elements that are likely to be associated with a competitor's brands or lose elements that can be used to supplement or replace your brand name and advertising and other branding materials or ignore or test elements that are not recognized by the market. These elements will require a lot more work to develop value as a potential brand asset. And obviously that includes a lot more budget and and and, and resource to to get that right. And then look at the the invest potential, elements that have the potential as a brand asset but require further development through consistent use alongside your brand name and other distinguishing elements to strengthen the association with your brand. And what's quite cool here, Kevin, if you look at the the spectrum of of the grid, the typical four four, uh, quadrometric grid, fame on on, on the uh, vertical axis, uniqueness on the horizontal axis, fame moving from low fame to high fame as you move up and then Uniqueness moving from low to high as you as you move across to the right and your bottom sort of least least desirable space is the ignore or test space, which really it's, it's not known at all in the market needs considerable work to develop any value and, you know, move, move it away. As you move up to fame, you move from ignore test to to avoid. And this is highly likely to evoke competitors, so best avoid it. If it must be used, it needs a very strong direct brand accompaniment, and you'll get to see what what that is now. Then going back to to, to the, the lower end of fame, but moving across to the higher end of uniqueness, investment potential sits in that spectrum and then this is has potential but needs wider more consistent use and actually linkage to the brand name and yeah you need to monitor for for competitor ambushing and then obviously in in most of these matrix the top right-hand corner is the sweet spot where you want to be it's the target for 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 any movement and that is use or lose And so this will have high fame opportunity and high uniqueness opportunity, and it can be used to supplement or potentially replace the brand name and advertising, but don't neglect further building and watch out for DK if you don't use that particular brand asset, Kevin.
0: Quick quick question, like, can you use this grid in terms of uh, product? Because I'm just looking at the way that it's set up, you know, is sometimes the, you know, it could be a wonderfully famous but very not unique product, <laughs> and maybe that's you have not what absolutely
1: products. Yeah, yeah. If you, if if your brand consists of a, a portfolio of products, a portfolio of service offerings, and things like that, I think there's definitely opportunity to look at the the relevance of of a a product or service in 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 this particular spectrum. Um, there there are other layers or other lenses that need to be looked at again in terms of is it meeting a need as opposed to the the you know, the brand the brand approach, take the same principles, yes, but but look at it if, if a void is the spectrum that you're evaluating a product or service against, what is the other lens that that you need to add to that, you know? Why avoid? Well, it's not meeting my needs. It's too expensive. It's not delivering. It's outdated. It's it's yeah. You know, those those are the layers that. So as a as a as a grid and a matrix for application. Yes, I I like your question, but definitely it needs to be looked at through other lenses relative to that actual product service delivery and 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 what it's promising or not promising.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, so, Craig, so we've, I mean, it's been an interesting uh, look at uh, brand assets today. But, I mean, what are the key uh, takeaway points that we can share with the listeners from today's show?
1: Kevin, yeah, I I want to recap um, the four points referenced in the Canva.com article and just just look at them in a bit more detail. And and that article, again, as a a reference, was titled Brand Assets what they are, why they're important, how to leverage them for, for success. And the points were listed as why brand assets... So why are brand assets important? Brand assets build trust. Brand assets improve ROI. And brand assets strengthen brand identity. So let's, let's take a look at each of, of these. So why are brand assets important? Well, distinctive brand assets obviously impact and increase awareness. They clearly improve marketing ROI, and they most definitely strengthen any brand identity, Kevin. And over time, brand assets become more recognizable. You increase trust, uh, customer trust and brand loyalty. And once you've successfully increased that awareness and trust, start focusing on maintaining customers, build the loyalty aspect rather than attempting to convert new customers. The second points raised was was brand assets, build trust. So it's a nice segue from, from the previous point. So presenting that unified brand through all of your brand assets while, while providing that quality or service or, or product helps build that brand trust. And, and be aware, though, that customers will begin to expect high quality whenever they see your branding, as they believe that your product or services is the one that they can trust make sure not to fail or promise. And, and interestingly, I think this particular section talks nicely to your question around whether the matrix has, has relevance in, in looking at a product or service by answering and talking to those, those four quadrants. You need, you need to build a reputation of reliability if you have any intent of increasing conversions, Kevin. And, and definitely it's a, it's a two part process that sets you apart from your competitors. The first being deliver a great product or service by understanding and meeting those customers' needs, exactly as I said earlier. And then the other part is just make sure that your audience actually chooses your brand over another because they expect and receive that positive experience. The third point here is brand assets improve ROIs. And and reputation of your marketing assets is, is key. In other words, consistent branding will make people more familiar with your brand. It'll help you save money and improve your ad spending ROI. Remember that people tend to like something more as a result of previous results of previous exposure to it, irrespective of how brief or fleeting that moment was. And, and we see that successful brands know how to leverage the audience and make purchasing from them a habit by, by more of that exposure. In this instance, um, consistent brand assets align with the customer's need for consistency. And then finally, Kevin, brand assets strengthen brand identity. a strong brand identity is built on the foundation of this distinct and clear set of branding guidelines and and your guidelines should include specific brand asset instructions image specifications conditions for when each of the assets can and should be used and the more specific you can be about your brand assets the more cohesive your brand identity will be across all of the touch points in in the brand repertoire The brand guidelines are especially important to help prevent misrepresentation of your brand. So if you've got a large team of of many stakeholders who use and edit your existing brand assets, clear guidelines can help streamline the content production. And this includes the light from from colors you use to the size and orientation of your logos. Behind all of this, every design aspect of your brand asset has to remain consistent, Kevin. And those are the key takeaway points for today
0: fantastic interesting topic guys and uh craig thank you for that i mean it's uh it's a it's a small segment of, of uh, but i think um a very large uh can have a very large impact on how a brand is perceived
1: right i like i like the way you you say that yes so so whilst it may it may be perceived as a small segment you know it it probably is one of the most important
0: Absolutely, guys. If you want to catch uh, us live, it happens on Ebers ebersradio every Thursday at twelve o'clock. And uh, Craig, I've got a I've got a nice quote for you. <laughs> and this might tie Brilliant. into brand, brand assets: is clients don't care about the labor pains; they want to see the baby. From Tim Williams.
1: <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, that's I like. There's there's some nice uh, yeah. uh, synergies between the quotes and, and the topics. So that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, no one no, no cares about all the, the 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 amount of work it took to get to this point. We just want to see the baby. We want to see like, okay, yeah. cool, yay, the baby's arrived. Craig, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, the insights and uh, the the. I mean, one hundred and fifteen shows, guys. It's like a, it's fantastic. Uh, I'll I'll catch you soon. I'll catch you next week, Craig. Thanks so much. Yes, yeah.
1: You know, have a great uh, week in between Thanks, Kevin. Cheers, there. Eh? Bye. Thanks, Craig. Cheers
0: for now. Bye.